takes issue with the fasting or the religious exercises of his people. God's people are early on in the chapter, verse 3 and so on. They're asking the Lord, look at us, look at this fast. We've, we're fasting and thou seest not. You're not looking at us, Lord. Look at what we're doing. The Lord essentially is saying, in verse 5, Is it such a fast that I have chosen? Verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? You think you're fasting? This is fasting. And then the Lord goes on to um, cut through all of the, the veneer of our religiosity and all those things that we think impress God and he's not impressed with it because the Lord looks on the heart. He does not look on the outward appearance. And um, this is something that we have to keep in mind even in a thing like this where we meet together day after day and we can unknowingly the flesh can rise up in a very subtle way, in a deceitful way, and think that somehow, if I can put it in this crass way, we're earning points with God. Somehow we are impressing Him. Somehow this is just by our mere coming to the prayer time day after day. Somehow this is increasing our spirituality just by the act of doing it. And so the Lord is always going after the heart. He's always going after the heart. But the verse that I wanted to dwell on a little bit was verse 12. In verse 12 of Isaiah 58, it says, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. When I read that description, I was really quite blessed. And I thought to myself, that is... I trust what we are doing. Wouldn't that be a wonderful name or title to be given? The repairer of the breach. The restorer of paths to dwell in. The restorer of the old paths. And the repairer of the breach. When you think of a breach, you think of walls. You think of the city of God. You think of any city. You have walls, and walls, just in my thinking here, they serve many purposes, but two come to mind. One is to defend, and another is to define. So you have a wall that is set up, and it's meant to defend from the outside coming in, as well as to keep the people within the walls. And you can take that in any which way, but in the Christian life, 
there should be walls set up that keep the world out. It's very important that we're not a city without walls, meaning that we just let the world in and out without any any issue. And that's the whole nature of being a lukewarm Christian, by the way. Because we just blend in, as Steve Lawson likes to say. We just blend in with our environment. There's no walls to defend. There's also no walls to define. You know, the city that's spoken of in Revelation, it has walls. And obviously there's no sin in heaven. People have often speculated, what are those walls for? Even if it's figurative, what are, what are those walls for? Well, it's, it's the realm of where God's presence is. Obviously God is everywhere, but there's a, there's a sense where it's the definition of something. And even in our own Christian lives, a Christian should be very well-defined. Again, not blending in with the world, not being mistaken for the world. Uh, we are very well-defined. But in the context of prayer, when you have a breach in the wall, uh, there's a passage that comes to mind in Psalm 106, verse 23. You don't have to turn there, but it says that, Therefore he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses his chosen, God's chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Moses stood in the breach, where there was a breach in the wall. And if you, if you actually look at the, what that psalm is referring to, it's quite fascinating. It's, refer, it's referring to the episode in Exodus chapter 32 where Moses is praying to the Lord and his prayer is recorded for us. It's really quite fascinating if you've never really taken the time to read it. Exodus 32 verses, I would say, 7 to 14. I'll briefly recount it here. The Lord said to Moses... Go get thee down, for thy people, Moses, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, Moses, have corrupted themselves. So the Lord is ready to destroy these ungrateful, sinning people. And Moses, now stepping into the role of an intercessor, as Christ is for us, he steps into the breach. He stands before the Lord in the breach. And this is what we do as well when we pray. This is exactly what we do. We're like Moses standing in the breach. We're like Abraham when the angels were about ready to head towards Sodom. It says that Abraham stood before the Lord. It's like he got in front of the Lord and he was interceding, essentially, for the godly in that city. And this is, this is the images that come to mind when we think of the breach. 
If you go and you read through that Exodus 32, that that exchange that Moses has with the Lord, it's very interesting. The Lord starts out by saying, as I emphasized, thy people, Moses, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. In verse 11, Moses comes back and says, no, they're thy people, Lord, which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt. Moses, in his role as intercessor, he, if I can say this reverently, he reminds the Lord that they are his people. They're not Moses' people. They're your people, Lord. And you saved them. And this is instructive in our own prayer, by the way. We should be, again, if I can say it reverently, we should be reminding the Lord um, that this is his work. We're not doing this labor because we're trying to make a name to ourselves. We're, this is nothing. This is not our kingdom. We're not building our own kingdom. This is Christ's kingdom. And then uh, Moses goes on to say in verse 12, Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains. Turn from thy fierce wrath. Repent of this evil against thy people. What are the heathen going to say, Lord? And then verse 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self. And saidst, and here's the promise that he brings up, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. Verse 14, at the end of the exchange, the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. This is how prayer operates. It's a mystery because we know that God is completely sovereign and yet he is, he is pleased to use the means and the mechanism of God's people praying to accomplish his own will. But when we think of the breach, we think of Moses, and we think of that passage in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, always comes to mind. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. That's convicting, but I trust that it will encourage us as well. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. I wonder if we can see our roles that way. I wonder if we can understand that though we be few, we're just a small, feeble, bunch, and though we may not, may not feel ourselves to be great prayers, and yet the Lord has put something of a burden, I trust, even in seed form in our hearts. Not everyone has this burden. We know that. And we can complain about it and be unhappy about it, and I trust that the Lord will reverse that. 
But not everyone has this burden. And not all of us even have the same um, level of the burden, if I can say it that way. And it waxes and wanes with all of us. It's one of the hardest things. This is what I said at the conference. It's one of the hardest things in the world, these prayer meetings that we have, is to keep my own heart warm so that the fire does not go out in my own heart. Hardest thing in the world. We can physically make it to a prayer meeting, but can we actually pray with burden, with our hearts engaged, more than just a form of words? But can we see ourselves, even in some small way, could we see our role being the repairer of the breach, the restorer of old paths? It's helpful for me to think of it that way because it gives me encouragement to continue to pray, especially since it is something that is not as widespread as we would like. But thou shalt be called, friends, the repairer of the breach and the restorer of paths to dwell in.